Season three of Justified is over and has been for a while, but we're just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recaps. This is the Justified Rewatch leading up to the final season of Justified premiering. I think it's January 20th, I want to say, off the top of my head. Either way, it's coming up really soon. We've been going back and we've been watching all the seasons of Justified, getting ready to talk about this final season. I'm Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by my favorite win-win situation, Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? I'm a win-win Duffy situation, baby. You really are. You, you, you know, you're, you're my guy. You're my, you're my guy in Kentucky. I, that is a good thing to be. I, I'd like to be your guy in Kentucky. I'm happy to be that. So how are you doing, Antonio? I haven't talked to you since uh, 2014. It's been a while. You're lying. We were just talking five minutes ago before we started recording. Oh, I, I know. I'm trying to keep up the illusions of, of, of stuff, but you just chattered. Josh, everywhere. you just cold called me out of the blue. We didn't even plan this out. I wasn't sure we were going to podcast today. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, it's nice to hear from you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, have a little bit of Pappy Van Winkle here. Uh, just take You are lying. You it's are a lie. lying. It's a lie. You do not have Everything Pappy Van Winkle. Everything I'm doing here is a lie. None of this is real. Uh, if you had Pappy Van Winkle, I would be in Brooklyn with you what right is, now. What is Pappy Van Winkle? Is this real? Yes, it is. is it? Uh, Tell me everything about Pappy Van Winkle. So it's a little, it's a little hip. It's a little bit uh, kind of a status symbol more than anything. But it is a very, very, very good bourbon uh, that is made in very limited quantities. Uh, it is a distillery, I think at this point, that's no longer in business, uh, the Weller distributor. Um, and their supplies, of course, the way you make bourbon is you take a bunch of ingredients together. It has to be at least 51% corn. And you mash it up into, you know, let it ferment and then you distill it out and let the steam collect. And you capture all that. You put it in a charred oak barrel and you let it just you let it basically sit there uh, for a while. Um, you don't there's no time limit for it. But Pappy Van Winkle, the, the Pappy families, I think, are are they're all over um, 15 years that they've sat in a barrel. So the distillery went out of business at the some family, point. Somebody, the family has been in a barrel for 15 years. Yes. The whole Van Winkle family. Uh, they're sleepy, you know, they're Van Winkles. I guess that's they true. just sleep around and in a barrel. But uh, yeah, so they're, 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 they have a family of whiskeys. They have a whole bunch of different lines of bourbon and Pappy is kind of the one. I think there's, there's basically three main varieties of it and that's based on how aged they are. And then they have like, they have like Rip Van Winkle and other kind of labels, but Pappy is like your, you're kind of a uh, really nice one. Uh, there's a, the 23 year, I think is their oldest one. Last year, there was this huge controversy because there was a theft of like, uh, and it was basically like a justified episode. There was a theft of tens of thousands of dollars of Pappy Van Winkle uh, whiskey from just like, like so just disappeared from the back of a truck. Uh, and that put the amount that was on the market that year. It's always in very high demand because there's not a lot on the market every year that, that really limited it. So last year it was really hard to get. Uh, and it's just a very good, very, very good bourbon. Uh, it's, is it, would you say it's the, uh, it's the McCutcheon of justified? It is. It is. It's, it's the, uh, yeah, the McCutcheon or, uh, for parks and rec, the Lagavulian or whatever you call it, the scotch that Ron Swanson likes, uh, the snake you juice? know, that's not the snake juice. That's oh, different. That's, that's that is, justified season four. Also, yeah, that's justified season four. That's exactly ahead. right. Skipping ahead. No, so Pappy is very good, and actually, it's kind of an insider joke that you see on this season. Or anytime Emin Arnett pops up, he's putting Pappy Van Winkle in his coffee, which is sort of it's one of those things where it's like you would never put it in your coffee. 
right? Like you would enjoy it on its own uh, because it's that kind of high quality of a spirit. So why is, he, why is he drinking it in his coffee? Oh, because he's just so highfalutin that he's throwing the best bourbon in the world, just mixing it into a cup of coffee. That, I mean, I think that's a, a character note for him that's subtle, but there. Um, he's just so rich and so well-to-do that he could take the most, you know, in-demand bourbon on the market and, you know, in many people's eyes, the best bourbon on the market and just throw it in coffee like it's nothing. So that like guy just, deserves to get shot in the face is what you're saying. Immediately, immediately. right? Like <laughs> that, it, the business really picks up in season three because he's like a menace, Emmett Arnett, in season two. And he, I think it's season one as well. Uh, he's like the guy from the Dixie Mafia in Frankfurt. He's more menacing than Win Duffy. He's like a bad dude. Yeah, and, He's a he's about at least a few steps above Win Duffy when when we meet him and he really is kind of our top level look at the Dixie Mafia at that point and yeah it just bounced immediately in yeah Bobby Quarles just comes right in and takes care of business shoots his secretary in cold blood too oh that was brutal that was so good yeah oh, so man. yeah what, let's let's just start talking about this uh, so here we are we're season three of Justified we've just wrapped up you know the, the first season's a little bit scatterbrained it starts to coalesce a little bit towards the end when we start to realize that it's really about you know uh, Bo Crowder and and Boyd kind of going to war with his dad a little bit and, and Raylan hopping in on that and the Florida thing coming to bear uh, season two wraps that up really quickly and it becomes a lot more about the Bennett family the Bennett family is more or less completely decimated by the end of season two with only Dickie Bennett still standing. And here we are in season three and we tease this in the season two podcast. Certainly people who uh, have watched Justified before knew what was coming up. Uh, but this is the season where really our, our big bad of the season is an outsider uh, and it's Bobby Quarles. And I got to tell you, Antonio, this is among my favorite Justified characters, maybe my favorite Justified character. Yeah, he's fantastic. It's a, it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a little one season run that we've got here uh, on season three with Quarles, and he he comes in like a house on fire. His blue eyes are just so arresting that that's really all you got out of him, right? You know, at the jump, but you realize behind those blue eyes, nobody likes to be the whatever the song lyrics are. Uh, he to be the he, sad man. Yeah, he just isn't. He is just a. There's a lot going on under that facade that he puts off. That very happy. Giggly, laughing, even in his last moments, laughing about a piggy bank uh, facade. He is a dark, dark man. Yeah, he, he literally has something hiding under his facade in the form of like a retractable pistol. Yeah, a spring Travis, like a spring loaded handgun. Travis Bickle style, which he notes that he was watching Taxi Driver when he was a kid. And he's definitely emulating some some Robert De Niro action there. There's not a lot that you can predict about Robert Quarles when you meet him. You know, he comes in. He's this he's this menacing bad guy. He seems really put together. He's dressed incredibly well. He represents the Dixie Mafia or so you think at first uh, he you know, he comes in. he blasts Emmett Arnett away. And it certainly seems like this is going to be a really put together dangerous foe for Raylan. And not that he's not dangerous, but, you know, he's we're going to he's going to start to unravel and we're going to start to see some of his weaknesses and reasons why maybe he uh, is easier to take down than he might have looked at first blush. One thing you can say about him very quickly within that very first episode, much in the same way that when Mags Bennett kills um, Loretta's father, I forget his name, uh, Walt, right? Walt McCready. Yeah. Yep. And the same way that she poisons him to death with the apple pie, you know that Quarles is undoing is going to be that spring loaded gun. 
that's, yeah, that's, it's Chekhov's spring-loaded yeah, gun. It's yeah. Chekhov's spring-loaded gun. Yeah. And that's, that's like one thing that you can tell immediately when you meet Bobby Quarles. It's like, oh, well, that's not going to work out eventually. Eventually, that's going to work very poorly for him. Yeah, and, and that's uh, he talks about, oh, I've got to keep it all oiled up. Otherwise, it'll jam. I you really always got to keep it oiled up. Don't want to have it. Well, that's just good life advice. You're like an uncle. That's just what I'm trying to do. I think my uncle might have told me that at one point. Uncle you know, Wiggler? You always got to keep... Oh, Uncle Wiggler sounds like a children's toy that's been banned. It's a, a toy store in Wigglerville, actually. Oh, <laughs> really? Uncle Wiggler, yeah. What do they sell? You don't want to know. I kind of do. Mustaches? Lots of them. Oh, boy. Groucho, Mark's Mask, mustaches, stuff like that. Basically. Just a little Uncle Wiggler. Classic Uncle Wiggler staples. Classic stuff. No, but yeah, he 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 he's talking about the gun, right? He's saying you got to keep it oiled up. I got to make sure it's taken care of. I couldn't have it jam up on me and uh, stuff like that. And you just know that that particular gun and his affinity for it is going to really lead him into some into some rough spots, probably. Although it does bail him out of some tough spots. He like he very happily shows it off to Raylan when Raylan thinks he's got him disarmed among the the kids that he's taken hostage, and then uh, out comes the the sleeve gun, and all of a sudden he's got the jump on Raylan. So it's pretty nifty in, in certain moments. But ultimately, uh, yeah, he needs a hand with it, doesn't he? <laughs> Indeed, he does. He definitely needs a hand uh, just for a lot of reasons. He needs a hand. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So so Robert Quarles, he's going to be our bad guy this season, played by Neil McDonough, who's a, a really terrific actor, uh, well known for, for Band of Brothers. He's part of the Marvel Universe as Dum Dum Dugan in Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, he is in Star Trek First Contact. He's in all sorts of stuff. Uh, great, great, great actor. And of all the things that he's really, really good in, I think that this this is his role. I he he walks into this. I, I mentioned during the last podcast, I think, that I interviewed Neil McDonough during season three of Justified. And when I talked to him, he was so into the role. He was just very, very excited to be playing this character. He just was so so pumped about the madness, like the the spiral of madness that this character goes on. Uh, and it's crazy. He's just this dangerous, dangerous guy. Um, just probably immediately you know even before we we meet him but this this set of circumstances when he comes to harlan county he just he's so in over his head and he doesn't realize it until it's way too late yeah and they do such a great job kind of adding shades of interesting elements to this character throughout you you get you notice him kind of talking to his son on the phone and he's just a traditional dad like oh that's great that's great he's so happy and seems like he has a really good relationship with his young son uh and then probably like two minutes after that when duffy stumbles down a hallway uh because he hears noises in a bedroom and he opens the door and there's a dude tied up to the bed in there yeah, like naked tied yeah. up to a bed yeah and, 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 and quarrels it's just like wrong room when and he's still on the phone <laughs> yeah yeah he's still on the phone with his kid it's like oh buddy you're gonna love it down here yeah yeah so it's just it's really an interesting kind of uh situation that that we find quarrels in uh he's described at various points as a carpet bagger you know and things like that but i think when he when he comes down there i think he is very optimistic and he clearly has his proclivities that he's that he lives his life with and you know just are as part of his routine but i think he descends right he starts popping oxycontin he really gets out of control you're not supposed to taste your product yeah you don't get high on your own supply that's that's a rule you don't uh you don't shit where you eat. It's sort of the similar thing. It's probably okay if you're like a weed dealer and you buy like a whole bunch of weed and you maybe smoke a joint out of it. But if you're trying to run pills and you're didn't work out for the Coover. pills, didn't work out for Coover. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, Coover, Coover had to know that Coover was like a chef. Coover was like a, he was an artisan. So it was important, I think, for him to try his own product. But this guy is, he's literally biting the hand that feeds and like literally taking the pills right out of other people's mouths that should be shipping back to Detroit and just taking them all. So that's no good for, for anybody. All right. So can you set up who Quarles is? Because I'm, I'm a little confused myself. So we, we hear the Dixie Mafia. We hear about Detroit. Are they the same thing? Are they different factions? I think the Dixie Mafia is probably run by Detroit. Ultimately, so they're like, yeah, it's it's lower on the food chain and Detroit's above them. Yeah, the in the and I know about the mafia in northern Kentucky and, and the actual organized crime in the 40s, 50s and 60s in northern Kentucky. And I can tell you that everything that happened in northern Kentucky, a piece got kicked up to Cleveland. So, I mean, that's kind of how these things work, is that they're territories that aren't necessarily big enough to have their own syndicate, but that some syndicate is running some sub uh, operation there. And it sounds like Detroit is running the Dixie Mafia ultimately. Right. Okay. And so he, so Quarles is an enforcer uh, for the Detroit Mafia, and he is basically looked upon as a son of Theo Tonin, who's the head of the Detroit Mob, but he's kind of the fallen son when we, when we meet him in this season. That's right. We, we don't know exactly um, at the beginning when we meet him. We don't know the full background there, but we do come to learn through interactions with Sammy Tonin and through what Quarles indicates or says that he was essentially passed over for Theo's actual son, who is sort of a screw up and not very well respected or well liked ultimately, even by Theo. But he is his actual son. Right. Sammy Tonin, who is just a, a total butthead. Right. And and that's Quarles, as a result, doesn't really respect Sammy, doesn't like him, thinks he's a coward um, and really this has popular a, opinion. Yes. Has even bigger problems with him because his father still favors Sammy over Quarles. Right. And so when Quarles, when, when he comes to to Harlan, that that's not, you know, he, he presents it as if like he's been sent here. Right. But this is his own idea. Yeah, I don't know how much he's freelancing because we do know that he's had some problems in Detroit that are probably like uh, the situation that he has with the hustler there in Kentucky. He probably, it sounded like he, they call it, he like some situation with the quote unquote rent boy. Um, so he has caused a problem in Detroit uh, that has caused him either to be relocated or to choose to relocate on his own. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's well, in Harlem. I think, I think he's in exile. At, at when, when I we, think that's right too. I do think that's true. And this is kind of his last chance now that he's in Kentucky and he's trying to make a power play for himself to sort of make himself look good and get back to Detroit. It's something that he's going to say a lot when, when we get towards the end of the season where he just says, I want to come home. I want to go home. Uh, and it's not it's not the worst plan. If he's able to get this business set up uh, and get this Oxycontin kind of pipeline opened, he talks about how it's going to make over a million dollars a month and it's not going to be small potatoes. And that actually sounds like a pretty good plan. And he certainly seems like the right guy to do it. But man, does it unravel awfully quick. You don't shit where you where you eat. You don't t- you don't taste the product. It's not good. Well, and I don't think he realized the forces of nature that existed in Harlan that had existed for a really long time in the Crowder family and in Limehouse's group in Noble's Holler. And I don't think he as an outsider, I don't think he knew what he was getting into. All right. So as the insider, let, let's let's set the stage for this. Uh, so so we have this outsider coming in. We have this guy who thinks that everyone in Harlan County is just a bunch of hicks who don't know what they're doing. All all these people are. Are, are dumb and easy that he, you know, easy people for him to manipulate. He finds out that he's very, very wrong. Uh, who's, who's the first problem that he runs into here? I guess that would be Boyd. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. Uh, he, he is and, and or, or Raylan. I mean, he, he, 
very quickly comes gets on Raylan's radar by keeping company with Win Duffy. Uh, this he's this totally, season, by the way, is really Win Duffy's coming out party. It is, and and it's really Win Duffy's coming out party by virtue of all the things that are happening around Win Duffy and to people that aren't Win Duffy because he is he is kind of Win Duffy is kind of working. He works for obviously for Emmett Arnett and the Dixie Mafia. He's there meeting with Emmett Arnett and Quarles uh, on the day that Quarles decides to just up and shoot Emmett Arnett right in his office and kill his assistant too. And he says to Win Duffy something like, "Now you know who I am." And Win Duffy's like, "Absolutely." <laughs> Like what is Win Duffy always knows what to say when somebody's getting shot in front of him. Yes, he knows how to not get shot. He just one of his talents. Tell me what to say. Tell me what to do. I'll do it for you. So yeah, Win is Win is just kind of reacting to that. He reacts to very similar situations with Raylan uh, coming after Quarles. Win's always kind of the second guy in all of these scenes. So he is just being strung along and really kind of floats around, uh, sort of not the primary target ever, and that really helps him out. But yeah, he uh, he. Quarles comes into contact with Emmett Arnett first uh, because Emmett Arnett is is owing some money from some properties. I think it's from the Gary deal, right? I believe it is from the Gary deal. That's kind of how uh, Arnett has sort of struck out and tried to go, quote unquote, legitimate. Yeah, and that hasn't paid off. Uh, and as a result, he's in, in deep, deep trouble with Detroit. Uh, Quarles is there ostensibly to collect on that debt primarily uh and and that would be a, a win for him i think if, if he was able to do that um arnett kind of stonewalls him and tries to run an end around uh and you know uses secretary to kind of get the scent kind of put off and all this stuff and meanwhile uh corals just straight up kills him so that's that's actually pretty great um there's also in that episode the uh there's a great you know kind of one-off role of the ice pick, uh, the guy getting, you know, the guy with the ice pick. Of course. Yeah. He's a, uh, oh God, what's his character? Quinn from Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. Joey Quinn from Dexter. Yeah. So yeah, he, he has a great one-off role and it's, I think that just this first episode really serves to establish so much, um, with regard to quarrels, because here we've got a recognizable actor. He's kind of chiseled. He's real cold blooded. Uh, he's the kind of guy that is, it makes a immediate, this, this actor's name is Desmond Harrington. He makes an immediate impression, right? Like you're like, Oh, he's even got a thing that he does. Like he's got a gimmick with this ice pick and you see it play out uh, where he rolls the gimmick uh, as the Fletcher, the ice pick Nicks. Uh, and it's all this, it's like, Oh wow. There's a really deeply, you know, painted villain here. He's going to, Nope. He's dead after like, three quarters of the first episode. So the Annie is really upped right away in this season because we've got a recognizable guy killed off right away. Did they kill the ice picks? Yeah. I, I thought that he just gets arrested. No, I think Raylan shoots him, right? Because Raylan, it's in the hotel room. Uh, Raylan, you know, gets hip to his ice pick move. And when he tries to stab the ice pick, Raylan pulls the thing back and shoots him. Isn't, isn't that, I thought that's what happened. Well, maybe he shoots I, him. I think he survives. Okay, I'm, I'm looking he, at the justified wiki. It says he's still alive. Okay, good. He doesn't get killed. No. He does get shot. He does not die. And it's I great. That is really good. So many people die in that hotel room. It's very confusing. You know what? Most people would justify die. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fair. It's fair to make that. Well, one of the great things that the, that the uh, that the ice pick does is when he like goes and he kills. Uh, who he's he's breaking into some guy who's messing around with Emin Arnett and he kills that guy. He does the whole ice pick trick with him. 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Quarles comes and says, I need I need money. And Arnett's first response is, how can I get the money? I'm going to send this ice right. pick guy out to rob this jeweler who I know has a bunch of money or product that I can flip for money. Right. And then he goes and he gets that. And he also just kills the poor pizza delivery boy. Yeah. That's, yeah, the, that's I mean, the sad. That's the sad one. For the crime of delivering delicious pizza. Oh, my God. I would never, never would I kill a man for delivering pizza. That's what I was thinking. That's no good. Yeah. So that is uh, that is that's very, you know, kind of the action picks up. And so uh, into that into that scenario, we have this force of nature who is Robert Quarles. Um, And then he, you know, he quickly kind of gets off to uh, a very interesting start. Like we said, we we find out that he's got this uh, he's got this hustler there and his his weird bedroom that he's kind of put up in this house and he's got Win Duffy start, you know, kind of working for him or, or, or things like that. Uh, and he's going to, he, his plan is basically he's going to make a bunch of fake medical documents. He's going to get all the drug addicts, Oxycontin addicts in Harlan to sign up for these clinics to get Oxy. He's going to have these doctors rotate in and out. Uh, they're going to prescribe the Oxy, but then the addicts are only going to get half of the prescriptions. And the rest is going to be sent right back to Detroit and sold on the street. Uh, and that it's kind of like a pill mill scenario. And in that way, they can get legitimate prescriptions uh, for people with legitimate medical records. Uh, but those people are only getting half the prescriptions and the rest are going north. It's pretty so good that's, plan. That's the pretty good plan. So that's bad. A, yeah, it's a pretty good plan. <clears throat> the unfortunate part of it is everyone involved with that plan is just a, a, a real problem. Uh, I think the first kind of problem that you have with that uh, is the this the the guy Fogel, the pawn shop owner. Yeah, yeah, sure. From the Harlan Roulette episode, right? Yeah, that's the third episode of the season. So, I think that that is that's the first kind of sticking point is you've got this pawn shop owner there uh, who is is real cold blooded. I mean, that's a that's a really tough scene uh, because we we see this scene where he's playing the titular Harlan roulette um, with some really unfortunate oxy addicts who just want drugs. Uh, and he's, you know, shoots one in cold blood right in his office. Um, and this guy knows a little too much about, um, you know, the pill mill plan and uh, stuff like that. So he's, he's basically gets Raylan gets the drop on him and tries to turn him against corals. Uh, and there's this big shootout and we don't get anything out of it. Ultimately, we find out that Duffy Raylan does know that Duffy put, put, this Fogel guy on to trying to kill Raylan, but we, he doesn't know about quarrels yet. But that that is the first complication for quarrels is that Fogel lived long enough to tell Raylan that Duffy basically sent him to kill Raylan. And so when Raylan comes for Duffy, Raylan first meets quarrels and takes his picture and quarrels just hilariously just like smiles and poses for it. Oh, well, that's that's because this is the scene where where uh, is this the scene where Raylan throws the bullet at yes. Duffy? yes. And says next next time the bullet's going to come a lot faster, and he turns to leave, and and Quarles, who has just been quiet this entire time, but you know he has the gun in his sleeve, right? Uh, is this is when he says to Raylan, uh, "How fast do you think it's going to be when the bullet comes back at you?" And then he takes the picture of Quarles with the phone, and Quarles just gives the biggest shit eating grin possible, and it's so good. Just another new wrinkle for this character. Yeah, yeah. And that I mean, it's it's really great because he is he is in the background of the story, but he is a major player from the jump. Right. Like he is not Raylan's prime target. Raylan is threatening Duffy because he knows from Fogel that Duffy did put Fogel on to, to try to kill Raylan. And the threat is is aimed directly at when Duffy and Raylan is angry with Duffy. But it is Quarles who is the prime mover here. Like Quarles is the one who is setting all this in motion. And Raylan just doesn't know it yet. I think if he did uh, and he quickly does 
does learn and he starts investigating him, obviously. But at that point, he doesn't know what really he's up against. Uh, and I we had a you know, there, there's a there's a really <laughs> this 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 episode, I think, brings back a, uh, a very interesting factor that we talked about that happened in the first episode, which is that these one off characters are getting killed very quickly. Yeah. We had Colin Stone uh, at Colin Stone tweet at us about that. Uh, and you guys kind of engaged in a little discussion. What are your thoughts about how Justified does this, especially in season three, just taking pretty good guest character actors and, and dispatching with them rather quickly? I think it's great. I think it grows the world. Uh, I've, I'm always a fan of, of when Justified introduces these characters that look like they could be a really big deal, but then they just get snatched off the table pretty quickly because it's, it's sort of, it's sort of the George R. R. Martin thing, you know, where in, in game, of thrones in a song of ice and fire you know he'll he'll build up these characters to be really really big deals and then he'll just knock them down and you'll be bummed out because these characters who seemed like they were going to be so awesome are suddenly gone but you know that he's got another awesome character in his back pocket and i think it's the same thing here with justified that anytime someone just gets knocked off the table you know that someone else who's going to be pretty great is going to get put on the table so i'm i'm a fan like it doesn't bother me that we only get that one fletcher nicks episode we only get that one episode with the pawn shop guy uh because there's going to be a million pawn shop guys as long as just Justified is on. They will keep coming out with pawn shop guys. Yeah. And I think it's in keeping with the Elmore Leonard kind of, you have to create memorable villains and they don't necessarily have to all be Robert Quarles uh, or, or Dickie Bennett's or, or Boyd Crowder's that, you know, either go for a whole season or arc out over numerous seasons. I think it's, it's great that this universe is populated with such rich characters that can be dispatched with right away for every, you know, for every guy, uh, for every guy like Messer uh, who pops up now and again in, in different stories or for every Ellen May who was maybe a background character who becomes more of an important character uh, because of things that happen throughout the season. Uh, there's a character like this Fogel at the pawn shopper, Fletcher, the ice pick Nicks who, who really pop up and populate an entire episode and then are gone. It's a very justified thing to do. There was that uh, cold blooded killer, that was there, uh, and I, somebody that you really liked. I can't remember that guy's name uh, in an earlier season where he was really just a, an out of town oh, hitman. The hitman, yeah, yeah, yeah and he, he was, was just so dead set on it, and then he was gone right away. Yeah, so. I, I love that, I, and it keeps things really unexpected. It keeps things, you know, you're on the edge of your seat. You really have no idea who's going to get knocked off next. You have a pretty good idea that probably Raylan's going to be fine for a while. Uh, but it gives you this sense that anybody can go, and I think that that's really important for a show like that. It gives it some some real balls. Well, yeah, that's the other part of it, right, is if you're going to definitely keep Raylan and Boyd around, uh, you do have to kill some people off to to keep the the level of uh, just the level of tension in the show up. Some people have to die for this show to have legitimacy to it. And so it's I think it's valuable that the people that do die uh, are built up such that they're memorable, whether it's because you bring in a familiar face or whether it's because you give them one or two really good scenes in an episode uh, where they really shine. And you're like, wow, this person's a menace. Uh, it, it's it, it raises the stakes in a way that you kind of have to because you're not able to kill off uh, or put other characters in jeopardy uh, because, you know, they're going to live as long as the show's on. So I think they do a really good job with that uh, in this season, especially um, making the minor characters matter. Uh, William Maypother's another example, right? He pops up a couple of times and he's just a real brutal dick and and does some horrible things and is really kind of just shitty about everything that he does. And then in almost a flash he's dead right but his death matters because you'd seen enough of him to have memory of of why this guy needed to go and for it to matter when it happened in the moment and also because you still hate him from lost 
Yes. Also, because he's just another man. He's just the other man. He's yeah. Just, and <laughs> and it's man. also the thing is, you know, when when a character dies, sometimes you never know when that death is going to be important going forward. Uh, and I think that's all we can say about that right now in this yep. particular case. Yep. Um, so so we talked a little bit about how Quarles runs afoul of Raylan. Can, can you talk a little bit about Boyd's involvement in the Quarles story and, and just what Boyd's up to now that the Bennett's are out of the picture? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because we. <laughs> there's a great beginning of the season for Boyd, because if we recall when we left season two, Boyd has a serious problem with Dickie Bennett and wanted to kill him so badly. And he unfortunately did not get to because he had to kind of deal with Raylan about that. And Raylan kind of deprived him of the right to kill him. So Dickie's in prison and, and Boyd is not. And so Boyd is furious. And, and the first thing we see is Boyd and Raylan kind of having this conversation about it. And Boyd snaps seemingly out of fury and does something really stupid. He's in a marshal's office and he beats up a marshal. So guess what? Boyd gets sent to jail for that. But guess what Boyd was trying to do? Get sent to jail for that. Right. Which and is at first I think it's because he's trying to kill Dickie. Right. Right. Because to that get makes revenge for sense. what Dickie did to Ava because Dickie shot Ava. Right. And you see that in the, the first episode at the end, you see him walk by and you realize that was his plan. You do think he's there to kill him in the second episode. He further gets himself down, put into solitary so that he can get close to Dickie. And that's when you do find out that he, he really just wants he wants Mags's money. He wants to know what happened to it. Right. And it turns out that Dickie is, you know, he's he's the, it would seem that he is the heir to, to the Bennett Empire, such as it exists, if it exists at all anymore. Uh, and we find out that there is Mags's three million dollars. Where Where is Mags's three million dollars? And Dickie is the only guy who could possibly access it. And it just so happens to be in the protection of a man named Elston Limehouse. Yeah. And and this is uh, a character that we had not previously met. It doesn't pop up till episode two. We get an intro for him. That's a great kind of character intro where we know someone in his crew has kind of wronged him a little bit. And Limehouse is saying like, well, we can do this two ways. Like we can uh, we can we can burn your hands with lie yes. <laughs> or, or I'm going to, or I'm going to give you mercy under the idea that you're never going to mess up again, because if you do, it won't be lie. Uh, it'll be a lot worse. And you see other characters hands in the scene that have clearly been burned with lie. Yes. <laughs> this guy does not mess around. Right. And he's butchering meat the entire time. He's telling the story. Yeah. He's cutting up pigs. Yeah. So this is a, he's an older gentleman. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's just, he, he carries a lot as soon as he shows, shows up on screen. He's got a lot of, a lot of gravitas and a lot of like, okay, this guy's the guy I'm going to pay attention to. So you, you get the idea that he's, his family, his group, uh, they live in a place called Nobles Holler, which is, I think something that was carved out as a sharecropper area after reconstruction or during reconstruction. And it's sort of been kind of the black part of Harlan, uh, since then. I don't think this, is a real place. I tried Googling it. I didn't find anything. Yeah, I it may be based on real. I think, real I think it's based on a real place. I don't think it's actually there. I don't think there's an actual noble solid. Yeah, I don't think there is either. So um, but that it, it, it exists sort of as this enclave, like this sort of Vatican City. It's it's got its own ruler, its own rules. It's protected from outsiders. Uh, it, it really is kind of its own thing. And as a result, uh, people use it uh, as a bank. They use Limehouse as a banker. Uh, they use him for information. Uh, he kind of minds his own business, but he's got his fingers and his ears everywhere. So he's a very interesting character. And that he, if he's the one keeping the money, as it seems early in the season, <coughs> that's not going to be easy. 
Yeah, well, it turns out that Boyd has a connection to Limehouse uh, because among the other things that Limehouse does is he he's you know often offers protection to people uh, you know if if the need arises and Ava Crowder just so happens to have a personal connection with Limehouse because back when Boyd's uh, late brother Ava's late husband back when Bowman used to beat the snot out of her Ava would seek protection at Limehouse's. Yeah, which is not a uh, uncommon thing, as we come to find out. We we early in the the uh, season, Limehouse claims to not know Arlo, for example, but it seems fairly evident that he probably should, and he probably does. And as we later learn, uh, Raylan's mother uh, came to Limehouse for a very similar purpose uh, from Arlo back in the day, and Arlo came to confront Limehouse drunk, uh, and Limehouse nearly beat him to death. And Limehouse claims the only reason he stopped is because Raylan was there watching with eyes as big as dollar coins. Yeah, and this is a very memorable thing. And Limehouse in that scene says to Raylan something like, "You want me to tell you what I remember about your mother?" And really kind of implies that there's something that Raylan doesn't want to hear. And uh, so Limehouse has this pretty deep history with a lot of the characters, not just uh, Ava, uh, but also Arlo and Raylan, Raylan's mother. Uh, He's played a role in the community uh, throughout the history. And so Boyd tries to use Boyd tries to use Ava to get to Limehouse to kind of figure out this information. But I think Limehouse kind of sniffs that out right away. Right. Yeah, it doesn't take long. Well, also because he finds out. I, I don't know if this is if it's connected, but like he knows that the Boyd Crowder gang is trying to get in the weed business, but they've kind of effed up getting into the weed business because Devil's an idiot, and so this news has already traveled. So Limehouse kind of thinks that Crowders are weak at this point. Yeah, he knows that there's a gap, there's a power gap too, and Raylan or Boyd in in like the third episode, I think Boyd kind of gives this great speech about what he's planning to do, and he wants to take all of crime in Harlan over. He wants to be the new crime boss of Harlan of Harlan County. And that's what Boyd's kind of stated goal is. But as you as you point out, while he's in jail, he instructs Ava to tell them to burn the weed that was left from Mags because it's got mold on it. And they try to sell it to Hot Rod from Memphis and he doesn't want it because it's moldy and it's just going to be more of trouble than it's worth. And Devil does not obey Devil and Arlo and Johnny don't obey Boyd's order and they don't burn the weed. And and Limehouse finds out about this and realizes that that's a sign that Boyd's not really that powerful. He's not really in control of his crew. Right. Um, he's got some issues. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's not even that, too. Boyd has issues because some of his men uh, not only are, are disobeying, you know, his direct orders, but are truly flirting with taking Boyd out. And we're talking about Devil here, uh, played by Kevin Rankin, uh, who, who many of you will know from Breaking Bad, uh, Friday Night Lights, a bunch of other stuff. And we are going to see... Boyd, uh, you know, Boyd has has certainly done terrible things over the course of Justified already up to this point. But in season two, it seemed like he was kind of reluctantly getting back into it before kind of finally embracing that maybe he is a criminal and maybe this is what he should be doing. But it seemed like he wanted to do things with sort of a softer approach. But, you know, pretty early on in season three, we see Boyd pull the trigger on a guy who was once his friend because Devil has been courted by Duffy and Quarles to turn on Boyd and to be their man in Harlan County. And Boyd sniffs that out pretty quick and it's lights out for Devil. 
Yeah, and it's I mean, this Kevin Rankin is 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 well used on the show. We had feedback. Uh, we can, you guys can always leave your feedback at postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. Uh, and we had feedback from Hunter Scholl, who said that maybe you know Justified used Kevin Rankin better than Breaking Bad, which I think is very true. In Breaking Bad, he's kind of in the background, a, a total secondary character. No spoilers. Uh, who who doesn't really play a huge role uh and in, in in justified he is devil i mean and he he's memorable from the first season he's memorable in this season specifically because of what he does with boyd and what he represents to boyd he has a great kind of scene with boyd i think it's in episode four it might have been in one of the earlier episodes where he talks about he doesn't even know who boyd crowder yeah, this, is it's episode three it's the harlan roulette episode yeah that, that's a really good episode yeah, and, and it's it's where he's like i need to know which boyd crowder i'm following are you you know the the guy who got shot or are you the guy who found god and boyd's like what if i told you i am the guy who got shot what if i told you i am the guy who found god and lost god and this and that and this and it's a really interesting look into the psyche of boyd who really is all these different people yeah yeah and has maybe been pushed like we talked about previously into a more criminal life uh maybe he's not but he he's here now and this is what he is. He's he's a product of everything that he's experienced and not any of it was was really false. So I think Devil has a hard time grasping that nuance and just sees Boyd as somebody maybe worth selling out because he really isn't going to get as much as he could prob- probably get working with Quarles and Duffy and being Boyd uh, in that in that role. So he does sell him out, but yeah, Boyd sniffs that out right away. Yeah, I think he thinks that Boyd is wishy-washy, and he doesn't think that Boyd has the stones to do what's necessary, and he severely misjudges Boyd. Yeah, and he also misjudges uh, Cousin Johnny's loyalty to Boyd, or what he perceives as Cousin Johnny's lack of loyalty to Boyd, and he tries to get him in on it, and it is Johnny, in fact, who seemingly sells out Devil to Boyd. Yeah. So Devil gets taken out of the picture. Uh, you know, Boyd has already been trying to figure out how to get this Dickie Bennett money, but now this kind of takes precedence. You know, he, he, he's found out about this whole Quarles thing, and Boyd and Quarles have their first meeting. And Quarles basically says to Boyd, yeah, you know, we can do business. You know, if it's Devil, if it's you, whatever. Uh, I just, you know, I want you to be my guy in Harlan County. And, and Boyd has some harsh words for, for Quarles. Yeah. That's where he gives him the whole carpetbagger speech. And, uh, that, you know, that term to people that aren't, to people that aren't from it, it, it probably wouldn't play as well where I am in Northern Kentucky, but like in Southern, the Southern part of the state and especially in the South, um, when Northerners came down in reconstruction and tried to really take advantage of the South and, and try to make a bunch of money and uh, kind of came in down with their carpet bags and just kind of set up shop. Uh, they weren't really respected. They weren't really treated very well and probably nor should they have been. And he just sees quarrel. Boy just sees quarrels as of that ilk an opportunist from out of town. Who's trying to take advantage of an area that he doesn't really know about uh, that. He's not really from that. He has no connection to, and he just is trying to make money off of it. And I'm sorry, but someone like Boyd feels like he has a lot more legitimate claim to that area for that reason. And so he's quick to to kind of not be in any interest in being in league with Quarles, uh, which is interesting because he, he has always wanted to be in league with the Dixie Mafia. Uh, and and we'll see what happens <coughs> going forward with what Boyd wants to do. But in this moment, he wants no real part of Quarles. Part of it, too, is that in, in episode four, uh, Dickie Bennett gets out of jail uh, yeah. in a rather unconventional way. Yeah. So what happened? Why, why is Dickie out of jail? 
So part of uh, part of Boyd's plan to get at Dickie and find out where that money is, is he bribes a guard to kind of let him into solitary. But of course, the kind of guard who would be bribable in that scenario is a dirty kind of guy. And so he's so, listening to the conversation, he's listening to the conversation. Right. He, he finds out that Bennett has this money and now he wants to get the money himself. So he conspires with the prison doctor to break Dickie Bennett out of prison and they're going to go claim the money and they're going to go run off with the money. Yeah, which is not the worst plan. Uh, however, major loose end in the form of Dewey Crow. Yes. <laughs> who, God love him, is in prison with Dickie and for some reason feels an affinity for him. Yeah, Dickie and Dewey become friends in prison and it's such a good combination of people. It's really funny. Yeah, because Dickie's probably he's probably smarter than he is strong. Uh, and and yeah, and that's still not saying much necessarily. Well, it isn't. But Dewey is obviously just rock stupid, uh, but he thinks he, he should be a lot bigger and better than he is. Uh, and so both of them kind of share that. Uh, they both think they're bigger and better than they than they probably have a right to think. Uh, and they, their grandiosity really plays off of each other pretty well. Uh, so they become fast friends and Dewey is nothing if not loyal. So when Dickie's kind of being set up to go into the infirmary, Dewey's right there with him getting beat up and and <laughs> the infirmary, and now he's a loose end there and what do we do with him? And so he gets sprung at the same time. And, and Dickie protects him. He's like, no, you can't kill Dewey. We need Dewey. <laughs> yeah. So by, by the time episode five rolls around where Boyd is meeting with Quarles, the main, the A story of that episode is poor Dewey Crow has been the loose end of the Dickie Bennett story. And, uh, and he basically Raylan sniffs out the prison guard with Dickie Bennett pretty quick. Really uh, fast. Yeah. Yeah. He he's onto it right away. And he, he runs over the prison guard uh, and puts him in, puts him in the hospital. Uh, and that's episode. one of my favorite moments of the whole show, by the way, is <laughs> just, it, it's like that whole, it's that adage of like, you, you brought a knife to a gunfight. Well, the, the prison guard brought a gun to a car fight. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause he's just kind of standing there and Raylan's like, screw it. How you, he's like, you ran me over. And Raylan's like, you were going to shoot me. And then he runs him over again. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty great. It's, it's classic justified stuff that's going on there. This guy, um, the prison guard, his name is Ash Murphy. That, that actor, I, I've seen that actor in, in other stuff and I really like that guy. Uh, he's kind of a weird darkness to him. He's been on a lot of different, I mean, he was, he was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I remember he was on Studio 60, a couple other shows I watched. He had a good role on that, a short lived show that was, I think was an FX show called The Riches. Did you ever watch that? I didn't watch The Riches, no. That was with Eddie Izzard and they were like, uh, kind of, uh, caravan kind of itinerant, uh, you know, hustlers, I wouldn't say gypsies. I think that's a pejorative term, but it was a really interesting kind of really well-made show that was too short lived, but he had a great role on it. He's a, he's, this guy is a very interesting actor and in true justified form, he's only on the show for a couple of episodes because in the fifth episode, he is quickly killed yes. uh, in, in, uh, he's quickly killed in the hospital, uh, by what we find out as a nurse who Raylan describes as as cute as a bowl of kittens or something like that, uh, played by Maggie Lawson of psych fame, a true Kentuckian, I might add. She, uh, she is a nurse who's conspiring with the, with the doctor, uh, who is, who is kind of helping the prison guard free Dickie and uh, Dewey. And now this prison guard decides that the scam that they're going to run is to harvest organs, or at least in Dewey's case, to make him think that his organs have been harvested. Yeah, he's running around thinking that his kidneys have been removed. Well, at least two of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> he thinks both of his kidneys have been removed, and then he thinks that he has four kidneys. Yeah, and he gets into this, uh, he gets into this. You mean I have four well, kidneys? Well, I must, I'm going to have four kidneys. 
It's he gets into this horrible hilarious. scenario. What's the what's the movie with Jason Statham where he's a oh, he, crank crank? It's like a crank type scenario, right? Oh, yeah. my God. A Dewey Crow crank movie is all that I need in my life. <laughs> it's pretty close. Episode five is pretty close. It's pretty much justified crank. Dewey thinks he's dying. And so he his goal is he's got to get this money or the guy's going to kill him because the guy shows him this bag of organs and says, here are your kidneys. You have a few hours or you're going to die. And here's how you're going to die. Your whole body's just going to basically explode. It's going to be the most <laughs> painful thing in the world. And Dewey knows nothing about kidney failure. He knows nothing even about how many kidneys he has. And he, to be fair, he wakes up in a bathtub like an urban legend uh, with incisions on him uh, with blood everywhere. So he has every reason to believe that his kidneys have been removed. Um, but he so he goes on this horrible crank like spree throughout town trying to find money to give this guy. At first, he goes to this uh, this like appliance store, <laughs> which is the dumbest thing ever, because everybody at the appliance store is using credit cards. So, so he only funny. gets a couple hundred bucks there. Then he goes to a strip club at 10 in the morning uh, and there's no money there. And he gets very upset about that. And then he goes to a gas station. I don't even know why he goes to the gas station, but he starts blaspheming, causing the owner to shoot him, not for trying to rob him or doing something untoward, but for, you know, using the Lord's name in vain. All blasphemy. Right. Which is a very Dewey Crow way to get in trouble. It's great. It's really good. It's and that, that's one of the things, too, is that I feel like at this point, the show has figured out how to do, you know, the ongoing story. Like, season three is the Quarles story. It's the Limehouse story. It's where's the Bennett money and, and you know, who's going to come out on top in terms of who's going to be in charge of crime in Harlan County. And so that ongoing story is really kind of front of mind. But they do one-off episodes like this that I think we, we the show has gotten enough confidence that they can do both. They, they can do these standalone episodes that also drive the story forward. And uh, they do it in such a funny way this season. I think that's a great observation because like the second episode of the season is a little slow. That's an episode where there's a WITSEC kind of supervisor who has been found out and uh, somebody's tried to sell out his witness protection people to the mafia in order to get a bunch of money and get back in the game. And he ends up killed and Art and Raylan have to kind of sniff that out and figure all that out. That's episode two, total one-off story, totally unrelated to anything that's going on with the rest of the story. Episode five is this kind of Dewey, Dewey crank, if we want to call it that, but I want to call it that in Dewey crank. That might be a hashtag in, uh, in, in Dewey crank. What we have is it's it's it picks up from where episode four left off. Uh, it's still um, it still has some of the things that are driving the episode forward or driving the series forward. Like you said, with the quarrels and, and Boyd stuff, it is it is absolutely a story of the moment. But the story of the moment is tied into things that have happened uh, and will have some, you know, some impact going forward. So it isn't something that ha- happens totally in a vacuum like the Witsec stuff in the second episode. It actually has a lot more. You're right. They this is the and I think this might be the last kind of one off episode of the season so there are other kind of contained storylines like the the stuff with the bomber uh when when the guy they end up at the guy's uh, workshop right. and the, the landmine and all that but that is directly linked to the limehouse story and to who committed what crime and how it's being covered up and who's going to tell what that isn't that isn't a one-off like in that it doesn't have an impact on the rest of the series so yeah can, so, you, can you explain that to me a little bit because i you know limehouse he gets sucked into this thing a little bit more one of his guys is his uh it seems like he's his right hand man errol, errol yeah. uh teams up with tanner dodd who is a henchman of quarrels and Duffy's right. 
Right. Uh, and they, it seems like they are trying to make a run at some of this oxy on their own. Is that how Limehouse kind of gets sucked deeper into this thing? I think that's right. Like in, in the in the round that in the Dewey Crank episode, we find out that Limehouse has this informant Trixie at at Audrey's, the kind of whorehouse there in in Harlan, and so he's getting a lot of information through that kind of grapevine. Uh, but unfortunately, in episode six, there is a there is a, a murder that happens at Boyd's Oxy Clinic, his own little oxy shop. One of the doctors, Tri- right? Trixie and Ellen May, and 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 one of the doctors are in that clinic, and. They're kind of like being whores, unfortunately, trying to get drugs out of the doctor. And that's when people show up. And one of the guys is, is Quarles guy, Tanner. Uh, and, and that and he blows it up. They're, they're both Quarles guys, ostensibly. He shoots the doctor. He kills Trixie, who was Limehouse's informant. And Quarles is like, wow, I didn't do that. But that was that's He's crazy. Like, that's that's awesome. War yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah, this is good for us. Is, and, is, is and, he stoned at this point? He, he might be right. We don't I don't know, know if the show is making a big deal of it at this point, but I think that he's starting to dabble. Well, the, the thing is that they show him later, mainly, especially using when he's at really tough spots. So he's using to deal with adversity earlier in the season. We see the way he kind of blows off steam is to sadistically beat that uh, poor hustler that he's got in that room. Right. So I don't know exactly how he's blowing off steam at that point in the sixth episode is when we see him kind of beating his captive and being truly sadistic. And we don't see him. I don't think we see him using drugs yet, but we find out in that episode that Errol is actually the one who set up the raid on the, on Boyd's trailer and Limehouse is red hot about it. Limehouse is not, not happy about it. He does not want to be involved. Right. Like that, he is absolutely. Yeah. Not, that's, that's not, what he says. His, you know, that's, that's why Noble's holler has kind of stayed as strong as it has is because they don't, get involved in shit like this yeah yeah and and he is much more of an operator than than kind of a, a, a an engineer like he's not a kind of guy who's running plans he's the kind of guy that's seeing what's happening and he's sort of finding his way to get his cut or finding his role that he can play or or just kind of being in the background and because he's not an engineer he's never a target right and no one's ever really looking at nobles Right. Yeah. So that yeah. He, he, he ends up staying out of trouble all the time, but now he's kind of getting sucked into it. So it's not good for Limehouse. Things just seem to be a mess and things are really escalating between uh, the Crowder gang and what Quarles has in mind. And Raylan is starting to get into it a little bit deeper because he had that moment with Quarles in the uh, in the trailer. He, he knows who Quarles is. He knows what his relationship is with uh, the Tonins and Quarles kind of misjudges Raylan. And thinks that Raylan is on the take with the Crowders. Yeah, he he doesn't think that there's any way that Raylan could be sniffing out things as quickly as he does unless he was getting information from Boyd Crowder. Right. And while it's true that Raylan is getting information from Boyd Crowder, it is not a he's on the payroll. That's exactly right. It's because he's threatening Boyd Crowder. He's got information that he could arrest Boyd Crowder with or he is putting him in a difficult position. It's not like he's in his pocket by any stretch. So, yeah, Quarles has misjudged that Raylan is also in a tough spot because. Because the, the episode, the, the Dewey Crank episode, the, the nurse who Raylan described as cute as a bowl of kittens or whatever, Raylan ultimately has to kill her. And that's the first time he's ever killed a woman. And he's he clearly is pretty affected by it. Like, he's not happy about it. It's a great and, moment because he, he shoots her and uh, she's about to die. And she's like, I can't believe you shot me. Yeah. And he's like, 
Me too. <laughs> right, right. And this is this is rough for him. And it, it sort of is, I don't know if it's a metaphor or what, because in the same episode, we find out that Winona has just gotten sick of Raylan never coming home and she leaves him. She's left him. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's, I don't know how far along into her pregnancy at this point, maybe, you know, a couple of months, a few months, not super deep into her pregnancy, but she is pregnant with Raylan's child. Things seem to be okay between them. For much of the first part of the season but you know it's easy to forget that they had this big fight at the end of season two where she's like you con- you're constantly going back to Harlan if you go back there don't be surprised if I'm not here when when you get back and Raylan gets shot in his encounter with the Bennett's and I think that that really catalyzes for Winona she's like yeah I think I kind of got to get out of here uh I yeah. can't have my kid growing up around this well and it seems from what um from what Trooper, from what Trooper Tom uh, tells Raylan, R.I.P. Trooper Tom. From what he tells him later in the season, uh, and actually maybe right around this episode, episode six, episode seven, um, it seems like maybe she was ready to run off when he got shot or right before he got shot because they had to put out a a sort of be on the lookout for her then uh, because she was missing and Art wanted to tell her that Raylan had been shot and it was Raylan getting shot that caused her to come back. She might've been ready to, to hit the bricks then uh, because they found her around her sister's house at that time. Uh, and that's we, where she's gone to again. Don't we also find out that like everybody knew that she was about to run out on him? Yeah. Like yeah. Art knows the, yep. the marshals know and Raylan yep. is the last one to find out. Raylan's the last one to find out and he doesn't, he doesn't know the details of it. It clearly is weighing down on him. Uh, he ultimately does figure out where she is, but it is not something that's easy. And sort of in conjunction with that, he looks and the money that, that it was such a weird subplot of season two is just gone. And he sees Costa Rica on our computer, the judge, uh, you know, the played, uh, played by Steven Root is kind of just like, let it go, Raylan. You got to let her go. All these things are happening. Uh, and maybe, Raylan for a minute I think thinks maybe she really did take this money and just go right right it turns out that she didn't uh it turns out that it's the guy who's in charge of the lockup right it's the Charlie <laughs> he yeah. just took all the money and, and booked it how do you feel about that as a resolution to the, the money Love story it. such a funny joke I think that I think that's a really good punchline I do too. I think that I don't know exactly why they did what they did with the money story in season two, but I'm glad that they didn't decide to just leave it hanging out there. It's weird because that there was, it was a thing between art and Raylan, you know, that thing we're not going to talk about, you know, uh, that, that seemed like it was going to be a problem between the two of them. But now when, when it happens again, art's like, you know, one of those bills popped up again, this time it was an El Paso. And then you see cut to Charlie, the old evidence guy in Mexico showing his ID to a federal, federal police officer and just living it up. It's really funny. And I'm I'm glad that it's just, you know, I'm glad they pick it up again, but I'm glad that they drop it again so fast and in such a funny way. And, you know, I can't imagine that we're ever really going to go back to that story. No, I think that's the end of that. I think that, that that's over. Um, you know, the, some some of these people have to get away with it every now and then. Yeah, and that's a that's just a good button. I mean, it's just a, it's just th- that guy was such a background character. He seemed sort of doddering. He didn't really know where evidence was, or that the whole reason the evidence was there bef- to begin with is because that office was so poorly run. Yeah, they might send a request. Maybe we send it out. Maybe we don't. Like you know, so many things have changed. I don't know. Uh-huh. He just was kind of there. And then this guy. Well, you know what? He's in the background. He's thinking about things. He figured out that money was there and nobody knew and he took off. It's pretty good. All right. So at this point, Winona has taken off 
And even though we'll see Winona again um, at certain points in the season, for all intents and purposes, Natalie Z, the, the actress who plays her, is she's off the show. Yeah, and and that that's I think because she had other work and there were a lot of factors in that. But uh, but yeah, she she's she's not a major character anymore like she was in she's, season two. She's not a series regular anymore, and I think that's because she had a series regular role on the following. I think that's um, and so you know she's still a part of the show, but she's she's reduced. What what did you what do you think about the way that they wrap up the the Winona stuff, or at least you know sort of start to reduce the character a little bit? Do you think that it makes the show stronger? Do you think it's weaker? Well, I I think that for the character, uh, I'm glad that she ultimately didn't put up with everything. I'm glad that she did R U N N O F T, as they might say, because I I think that she she seemed like a strong enough person that I I don't think she would have continued to put up with it. And while I think the 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 mythical Glencoe transfer and things were appealing to her, and she liked the idea of that, uh, I don't think that the character that she is, the, the Winona that she is, would have stuck around and put up with Raylan. I think it makes a lot of logical sense for her to have gone out and, and gotten away in the face of what Raylan was putting her through. Uh, I think that anything else would have been more weakness for the character that wasn't necessary. I think that that was the kind of person she was with Gary. And I do think she decided to leave Gary, not because of Raylan, but because that wasn't the person that she wanted to be. All right. Well, you so, brought up Gary. Yeah. Let's get into Gary. This yeah, is- are we talking about Gary Hogaboom or Gary Hawkins? I think it's the same guy, right? <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of, I've never heard of Gary Hogaboom. Yeah. I've heard of Gary Hawkins from, uh, from Michigan, but not, not a uh, Gary Hogaboom from Kentucky. Yeah, well, now I'm very confused. I know, I know. it's it's very hard to keep track of. But yeah, poor Gary Hawkins is not going to make it. Uh, yeah, he really only comes back to the show to get killed. He does, and and this is sort of Quarrel's way to get at uh, get at Raylan because we Raylan's got outside of <clears throat> outside of Winona kind of leaving him. Raylan's got other issues brewing. First of all, Arlo is off his meds, and that is and, not good and for. He is off his rocker. He's off his meds and off his rock. At least it seems like it. All right. He's talking to Helen a lot. Uh, He's he's coming to Limehouse looking for his wife. He's doing all these things that make him seem totally crazy. And Raylan's got that going on, even though that's not a major thing. What what else Raylan has going on is is because Quarles thinks Raylan is dirty. uh, Quarles has kind of encouraged Sammy Tonin to talk about Raylan being dirty while he knows the feds are listening. Right. And so he does that. uh, And that puts, uh, speaking of great character actors, uh, that puts Steven Tobolowsky into the mix. Yes. Who is a fantastic character actor. And he shows up. He's he's FBI. Is that right? He's FBI, but he's crooked, right? He's a little dirty in that he's in bed with Sammy Tonin to the extent that he does not want to reveal to to Raylan and Art exactly why he thinks Raylan might be dirty. Right. But he, he's getting information, you know, fed to him by the mafia and he knows it. Um, we don't know the extent of exactly how deep his connections to them are, but he's not above board and he's kind of upset when he's called out for that. Like they say to him, like, well, since you won't reveal why you have reason to believe Raylan's dirty uh, we really can't play ball with you and he gets really upset about that I know um, I love how he keeps insisting he's like well Raylan's dirty yeah <laughs> that he's the, says the rat he's the perfect actor to play that role it's like it's great. just he's perfectly cast so he's popping up and giving Raylan a hard time uh, Quarles is also really he, he really he really turns it into high gear here uh, when you know this all plays out after the carpetbagger speech and he's been rebuffed by by Boyd and uh, all of that's kind of kicking off. So Quarles buys Sheriff Napier in Harlan 
and he sends him after Boyd uh, and and Quarles is doing all these things. And, and a major aspect of what Quarles does is he wants to find out how to get at Raylan uh, because he tries to buy Raylan. He comes to him and says, whatever Boyd Crowder's paying you, I'll double it. And, you know, Raylan's like, I'm not being paid by Boyd. Like, right. this is not going to work for you. You don't buy me. Right. So this is uh, Quarles' strategy is he goes to somewhere in Oklahoma, Tulsa, where Gary's just living a normal life, giving a real estate seminar, poor guy. And uh, Quarles takes him and, and brings him back to Harlan and shoots him right at his old house, kills him. Oh, it's so sad. So there you go. They And, you know, it doesn't drag on for too long. I think it really only lasts about an episode. Yeah, uh, where Raylan is being, you know, seriously dragged down by did Raylan kill Gary? Because that's what they're trying to set up. They're trying to make it look like Raylan killed Gary. So they move on from that pretty quick. And then I think it's right around here where we start to get into the election for Harwin's new sheriff. Yeah, because because Napier has been bought by by Quarles. And so Boyd's so Boyd, plan, Boyd needs a sheriff. Boyd needs, Boyd's a, plan, Boyd needs a man. His end around is to take the in, incomparable Jim Beaver, uh, fantastic actor. And he had popped up just in, in, in the previous season two episodes that were when Raylan were when Boyd was caught up with the group that was trying to run that kind of scam at the mine. He was like the secure the night security guy at the mine who was there whose life Raylan saved and who covered or his life Boyd saved and who Boyd kind of who kind of covered for Boyd. Uh, he had popped up in kind of a weird one-off role there. Now Boyd says to him, you know what? How would you like to be sheriff? Like yeah, and he wants to run him that, sheriff. That he has a history with uh, Harlan police. He, he was a cop once upon a time. Right, right. So he wants him to be sheriff and, and Boyd kind of decides he's going to put him up for sheriff against Napier. I guess it's very convenient that there's an election going on. Um, but this is Boyd's kind of great plan is he's going to he's going to buy this in. Napier is framing Boyd like Napier gets he gets uh, Quarles, guy to blow up his car to try to put pin it on Boyd. Right. Get Boyd arrested for it. Um, you know, Boyd gets out of jail. Raylan helps Boyd get out of jail. And then Boyd is kind of there's a debate and Boyd shows up and just runs the room fantastically it's that's almost kind of, that's kind of yeah i was gonna say that's kind of his version of the spoil almost as good yeah, yeah it's really really good yeah it's pretty good and you know kind of yada 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 the election result ends up being that shelby is going to is going to be the guy because napier gets disqualified right yeah, Boyd runs an end around. He he gets some insurance and finds a way to put his sister on the county payroll, uh, Napier's sister, and then that disqualifies Napier because of nepotism. And Napier didn't even know it because that was Boyd's end around. So there's going to have to be some kind of re-election or whatever. But in the meantime, Shelby is the de facto sheriff. So Boyd is up. yeah. Boyd is one. Boyd is one. And yeah. Qu- and this is bad for Quarles. This is kind of where Qu- Quarles really dives off the deep end. Uh, is it this same night where, uh, one of the, one of like the young hustlers comes down to town and he's like, you took my friend, you kidnapped my friend. Why, what did you do to him? And this is where we start to get some backstory from Quarles that it seems like he, uh, he has something in common with these young men that he likes to kidnap. Yeah, that is, uh, that is that is not good. It's that yeah, that is a fantastic scene. Maybe one of the top two or three scenes in the whole season. Uh, it's in Win Duffy's trailer. This kid shows up with a gun. He's very uh, upset, very rattled. He clearly has come there to kill Quarles for taking his friend. Uh, the the you know who is the the guy that Quarles has literally probably beaten to death uh, in that room. Uh, And and Quarles starts talking about how when he was 14, uh, his father was a heroin addict and he was a junkie. And to to get money for drugs, he would pimp his 
little beautiful sun out uh, to all these men. Um, and that beautiful sun was Quarles, right? And that when he was 14, Theo Tonin basically put him in a position where he was able to kill his father. And he did. Uh, and all he wanted to do for that other hustler, because he knew what his life was like, is he wanted to do, he wanted to set him free, which is what he did. What and does it, that it, mean? It, what does set I, him free mean? I think he just beat him to death. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. It's just so weird. And he's so like, there's just a fervor in his delivery. It's almost messianic in nature. Like he's really, really great in this scene. And, uh, and it ends with this kid hugging quarrels <laughs> and when Duffy just kind of observing the whole situation, like what in the hell just yes, happened? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, so much weird stuff happens in Win Duffy's trailer. Yeah, a lot of women's tennis gets watched, among other things. And that's not the weirdest thing. <laughs> and that's not even among the weirdest thing. No. Also, yeah. that's just a great character detail that when Duffy loves women's tennis. Yeah, it is. And he he not only he really does love it and he wants to talk about it a lot. Raylan, I don't know why you're calling me unless it's to talk about whatever. You know, it's like yeah, it's, it's just great. He's like really funny that he's into this. Yeah, and if you don't mind, I got some women's tennis to watch. Yeah, this is that he has. He's a man of very simple pursuits. He lives in a, he lives in the Winnebago. He watches women's tennis. He doesn't seem to do anything else. You know what? Honestly, it's not a bad life. <laughs> women's tennis <laughs> is very enjoyable. I've never seen uh, Win Duffy eating pizza, Josh. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I guess that that would be where we where we separate each other. Yeah. yeah so um, his life could be better is all I'm saying. So so what happens now? So Quarles is basically and like he's tried to get back in with Theo Tonin, but that's not working out. And he's really just cut off at this point. Right. Because his, his bid to kind of take control uh, over Oxy in Kentucky, it's it's fallen apart. Yeah, that's right. And and it's uh, it's been very difficult for him because he he tried to buy Raylan. It didn't work out. He then tried to buy Sheriff Napier and, and kind of get an end around against Boyd via that. That didn't work out. Uh, he's really kind of faced off with Theo Tonin or sorry, Sammy Tonin. And it didn't really work out. He's killed Gary. Um, all these things have happened. Uh and he's cut off by Detroit. He's popping Oxy then on the regular. Uh, he's ignoring his family when they call. He's listening to some like crazy, like Joel Austin type books in his car, like these like spiritual self-help books. What's that about? I have no idea. He needs a lot of help, though. Yeah, there's a lot of darkness in that guy. And it's not clear, you know, what what's happening, but it's clear that the events of what's happening in Harlan are really fueling it. What doesn't help is that Limehouse is such an operator. He's playing both sides. He tells Quarles what Boyd's up to about running Shelby for sheriff because he wants to back a winner. But then he's also telling, you know, other people what Quarles is up to. He's really just playing him. And and Quarles is kind of I don't think he's really realizing uh, what Limehouse is doing for and against him. So that's all really rough for him. And it just gets worse and worse and worse, even though he tries to frame up Raylan and, and Winona with the bullet that Raylan dropped on, on Win Duffy's chest with Gary and with the gun that they leave in Winona's house. It, it doesn't work out like none of his plans are working out. Nothing has worked out for Quarles. Yeah. And it's just getting worse and worse. Right. Because Ellen May is alive. She's a loose end. She witnessed that guy killing, killing the person. Um, She's come to Ava for help. Ava in turn murders Delroy right there in cold blood. Like we talked about that. That was uh, William Maypother, the, the pimp. Um, all these things are kind of really starting to escalate and come to a head. And, and Quarles, this guy, Tanner, that's when he gets blown up. He, yes. He's, 
He's trying to stooge to Raylan because uh, Errol kind of double crosses him. And he's standing on this, this you know, yet again, a great justified two scene character. This old guy who's an explosion explosives expert has this lab and they try to rob him. And when they get on the stool to try to rob him, the stool has a landmine under it and it legitimately detonates and kills Tanner. Uh, the the kind of quarrels is menace. So things are just falling apart left and right for this guy. So, yeah, so he books it and he's he's trying to to get money to get back to he's trying to get back in in detroit's good graces but it's just it's not gonna work yeah yeah and and he's lucky i I think that uh that limehouse is not on the best of terms with raylan because raylan tries to shake limehouse down and that's where we get that great scene uh between raylan and limehouse about how arlo had been there before and how limehouse knew his mom and limehouse still won't help raylan get quarrels so i think quarrels is lucky in some respects because he could have it could have come to a head a lot sooner because Raylan is really hot on his trailer. Raylan's really trying to to take him down. Um, And Raylan goes so far as to kind of like, he wants to get information from this old lady uh, who, you know, if, if the old lady agrees, Raylan can get information from her grandson. He buys her two milkshakes. She, she, she she gives him the Hector Salamanca treatment and throws one shake right in his lap. Yes. That's great. It's it's just, All this is really and and we see we see Quarles is now torturing the guy Donovan who showed up trying to kill him looking for his friend. So he's just he's just brutal. This guy. He's so brutal. He's got he's gone off the reservation at this point. Uh, And I I believe that Detroit wants him dead at this point. Right. Yeah. They sent two guys to town to kill him. They have they have a bounty on Quarles, head. They want him gone. And now everybody wants Quarles like Duffy's like, I kind of think that I should probably turn in Quarles and get the reward and being good with Theo Tonin. Uh, and Boyd wants to get in on that as well. So a lot of people are coming after Quarles at this point. So he, his back is really against the wall. Uh, we also get some resolution on where the Bennett money is. It turns out it's with Loretta. Yeah. Yeah. Dickie goes, Dickie really goes right into the lion's den and tries to get his money back. Um, and, and then we find out that Mags Bennett's wish was for Loretta to get the money. And as far as the money goes, Limehouse is actually been a decent upstanding guy the whole time he's not been trying to rip dickie bennett off at all right he was just you know the money was with loretta yeah what are you gonna do i honor max's wishes yep yep he was protecting that so that all happened and it's pretty great because once raylan discovers that raylan's kind of like you know what just don't uh still hire acdc to play at your birthday party or whatever and she's like do i look like an acdc fan right that's van halen van halen yeah it's van halen it's like yeah. don't, don't drive around in this expensive car don't hire van halen for your do i look like a van halen fan yeah uh, it's great we, did, we didn't talk a lot about loretta last time but loretta is a great character yeah and she's she's kind of a perfect little young foil for raylan because she has a similar doesn't you know doesn't give an F kind of going on and she doesn't really have a lot of reason to give an F for crying out loud. She, uh, you know, she, her father's been killed and she, she, Raylan's got a soft spot for her. Uh, and so as a result, she probably can get away with a lot more than other characters can with regard to Raylan. Uh, and this money is a big part of that. It certainly is, is no doubt ill gotten money in, in many respects. And it's a lot of money for a, a, a minor to have, but Raylan's just like, ah, screw it. Let her have it. So all, all of this, ultimately, you know, the, the Bennett money aside, also it's great, uh, Raylan shoots Dickie in his good leg. 
Yeah, that's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> Sticky Bennett. I mean, it's so, so, so sad. Do you happen to know what episode he submitted for an Emmy this season? Because he won one, right? He did. I believe he won an Emmy for this season. I don't know which episode he submitted for it. It could have been the one where he gets shot in the leg. I think also the jailbreak episode is pretty good. Yeah, he, he has a lot of really I mean, he's such a sniveling, crying little weasel, um, but he really his motivations in this season are pretty pure. He thinks that he has money coming to him. He thinks he's being ripped off. All he wants is what he thinks is right and what he thinks is his birthright and his inheritance. And it's tough for him because it turns out that that is not what his mother's wishes were. And that's no, really not at all. So he, with. He's just screwed over once again. All right. So so Dickie Bennett goes back to jail. Uh, and yeah, so this this all kind of culminates with, you know, Duffy wants Quarles dead and Boyd captures Quarles and then they're going to blow up. Uh, what, now I think Duffy wants to blow up Boyd and Quarles. Like, he wants everybody to get killed and Sheriff Tom, Trooper Tom, he shows up and Trooper Tom gets killed. And so things have just gotten really, really ugly and everybody's kind of in a bad way. Yeah, and, and it's and it is Limehouse is playing a pretty key role in this. He's selling one party out to the other and selling the other one out back to the other one. And there's a he he's made people believe the money's in a bank uh, where you could get it out of a safe deposit box. And right. there's this huge like Mulligan type plan uh, or MacGuffin type plan, I should say, that ultimately doesn't matter at all. With Boyd going to blow something up, and when Duffy comes in and he decides he'll detonate this device and kill Quarles and Boyd at the same time, and that'll solve a lot of problems for him. Unfortunately for for when neither of them die in the explosion, but like you said, uh, Trooper Tom, the state trooper who's been Raylan's kind of go to reliable local cop, he gets killed uh, at the scene of that explosion, shot seemingly uh, by Quarles, um, which we later find out is not true. Not true. Uh, yeah. But but Raylan is really fired up about that now because you know Trooper Tom had a family. Trooper Tom, Trooper Tom was a great character. You know, kind of an understated character, but he was a guy that was sort of a go to guy for the past two seasons of this show. So it's really sad that we're losing Trooper Tom here. Uh, and yeah, Ray- he was almost like they took a cop right off the street and just put him on the show. Yeah, really. And so Raylan, like, he wants to find Quarles. Now it's really personal, and he he goes to like Duffy, and you know the the reckoning is here. It's time, and like he plays he plays Harlan Roulette with Duffy, and he really he's really doing it. Yeah, this in Duffy's response, he's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Raylan comes into the trailer and like it, it seems like it's just going to be another tough guy talk situation between Duffy and, and Raylan. You know, Wynn is feeling pretty, pretty good about how he can you know handle these kinds of situations. And he doesn't think that Raylan's actually going to pull the trigger on a gun that has a bullet in it. And he does. Yeah. And Duffy's just like, Raylan, Jesus, you can't just come in here and shoot me. You're a, you're a cop. You can't just shoot me because you feel like it. Oh, winning. Hashtag winning. It's so funny. It's such a funny scene. This is the best Win Duffy scene so far. I agree. Uh, and there have been some good ones already. But just like Duffy losing his shit is so funny. Uh, but it turns out he doesn't know where Quarles is. No one knows where Quarles is because Quarles is he's on the run again. He's nursing some burn wounds. He kidnapped some kids. Uh, and he's the guy who comes to Raylan, right? He's the guy who approaches Raylan. Yeah. And, and he, he kind of calls, he kind of calls and says, Hey, like, this is what I want. I want, he has called Detroit and Detroit has told him for $500,000, you can come back. Like it's going to cost, you got to pay off your own bounty and essentially pay off this other debt. Uh, And once that's done, you can come back, but you're out. Like, you know, you don't work for us anymore, but we won't try to kill you and you can come back to your family. Right. And so his plan is to get the money from Limehouse because he thinks Limehouse is going to have the money. And 
like you said, Raylan is really un, unhinged. And some of it is Arlo is office meds, as we said, and he's apologizing to Raylan. He says he's been talking to Helen a lot and he's really sorry. And this he was is one so of those mean. moments where you, you actually you don't think that it's a con because you see this scene where Arlo is talking to the actress who plays Helen. Like right. you, you see this scene of what it looks like in Arlo's head. So, you know, he really is kind of losing his mind. Yeah. And I, I mean, we can, let, let's talk about this right now, because what ultimately happens, right, is that is that Limehouse basically says to, to Raylan, I'll help you get Boyd. And he knows about Devil. And what he does is he says, you know, they killed Devil and they're going to they can find the body and, you know, they can pin that on Boyd. Once you find the body, you can arrest him. They do arrest Boyd for the murder of Devil. And what ultimately happens is Arlo decides to take the fall for Boyd and claim that he's the one who killed Devil. Right. Well, he was already going down for killing Trooper Tom because it turns out that Arlo shot Trooper Tom to save Boyd. Yes. And and and, and in fact, maybe thought that Trooper Tom was Raylan. Right. That's kind of the sucker punch at the end of the season. That's the, the final the final line. Uh, Raylan is, you know, he's he's meeting up with Winona and just kind of recapping everything that's happened. Uh, and he said, like, yeah, Art wasn't sure if I was going to be upset. And Winona says, why were you going to be upset? Like, what were you going to be upset about? Uh, and Raylan said, yeah, he just saw a man in a hat pointing a gun at Boyd. And Winona was kind of like a man in a hat. And Raylan walks away and puts his hat on. So, yeah, it seems it seems like Arlo was going to have no problem just icing his own kid. Yeah. So the question is, he's he's going down for that and he chooses to take the fall in a a kind of smart way for for, you know, Boyd and and keeps Boyd out of prison for devil. So if he's smart enough and clear headed enough to do that, where, where was it because he started taking his meds sometime in episode 12 or 13 and they're finally he's clear headed enough by that point to, to make that decision? Or maybe it's just a bad choice. <laughs> I don't know. Or I he, mean, it's a smart choice. Like maybe maybe you're saying you're, you're saying maybe it was made from a place of total stupidity and just trying to be loyal to Boyd, because right. I think the precursor to that is. You know, they that Raylan has Boyd in jail. He's got Arlo in jail and he's basically like, oh, look, the whole Harlan gang is here. And and Boyd is like, well, that he, Arlo's not my crew. He's like family. Right. And maybe it's just another way for Arlo to kind of stick it to Raylan is like, well, I can at least, you know, get Boyd back on the street. Yeah. It's just weird to me because in that episode, the final episode, Arlo does apologize seemingly sincerely to Raylan for for the bad treatment of him when he was young. That's what he says. And Raylan's really taken aback by that. Uh, But in that, you know, the previous episode, he tried to kill Raylan, what he thought was Raylan. And by the end of this episode, he's clear headed enough to make a really smart play to to keep Boyd out of jail, either to screw Raylan over uh, or just out of loyalty to Boyd. It just I'm not quite sure what where Arlo's head's been at. Like he seems to have been legit legitimately off his meds and off his rocker at times but at other times he's making decisions like this which are actually pretty clever right it's hard to know what Arlo's ever really up to that's what i mean that's what i like most about it i know he's a great character is that you just really don't know ultimately if he's in it to, to, to screw Raylan over where his true motivations were. If he maybe even apologized to Raylan just to upset him. Right. Like yeah. that's the kind of thing Arlo might do. You have so, no idea. You have no idea. Yeah. That all works out really pretty well. Um, but yeah, it, 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 we didn't talk about what happens ultimately with quarrels. Yeah. We got to talk about the disarming. It is. Yeah. We got to talk about the disarming. Yeah. So, so Quarles, Skywalker style. Yeah. Quarles takes Raylan hostage 
he's going to use Raylan. He's going to have Raylan take him to Limehouse. He's going to rob Limehouse of the 500,000 bucks uh, at gunpoint. Limehouse, it turns out, keeps his cash in the pigs. Yeah, it's a, it's a piggy bank. It's a piggy bank. Holy oh shit. <laughs> and at this point, Quarles is just like so uh, he's just out of his mind. Crystal meth just out of his gourd. Uh, and he's loving it. He's cracking up. Um, yeah. Even though he's in like a high, highly tense situation, like life or death kind of thing. It doesn't even matter anymore. It doesn't matter. He's just a complete nut job. Yeah. So he he's going to get his money. But Errol, who Lime Limehouse is kind of cast off at this point for everything that he did to screw everything up. Errol has stuck around. So he shows up and he draws on Quarles. Quarles shoots him. Uh, you don't really know what happens to Errol. I think you could probably just assume he got killed. Yeah. Um, and then Quarles and Raylan have this bit of a, a scuffle. And as they're fighting, it's like Raylan is like grabbing onto Quarles' arm with the spring-loaded gun. Limehouse just comes in and cuts the arm off. Yes. Uh, with his butcher knife and just like one deft move. And it's now, crazy. and now suddenly Raylan is holding Quarles' severed arm. Uh, and Quarles is kind of just looking at the arm, and he starts grabbing at the arm. So for the arm, yeah, he wants it. He wants his arm back, and Raylan just backs Pulls it away, away, and just like, and not even fast, just kind of slowly, just yeah. far enough out of reach. And Quarles just crumples under the ground and starts bleeding out. And that's when he reveals that Arlo was the guy who killed Trooper Tom, and he's just cracking up on the ground because this is all so ridiculous and. Uh, for all we know, that's the end of Quarles. That's how they write Quarles off the show. Yeah, I mean they, it, 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 and we, you know, there, we we have fan feedback and questions about, uh, and, and one of that one of those was from Hunter Scholl. Please clarify, Robert Quarles is still alive, right? The show never tells us. Uh, you know, again, I haven't seen all of season five yet. Uh, I don't believe that Quarles pops up again. Uh, yeah, I won't say anything, but it uh, it 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 is not. But it's not. Yeah. It's never definitively stated that he's dead. I definitely don't think in the moment that it is one hundred percent clear that he or Errol is actually dead. Right. Uh, I don't think that their fates are ever confirmed. In fact, I think that they talk about what happened to Quarles. Like to me, it seems like in a way, like it's like a joke around the office, uh, and it feels like the way that they talk about what happened to Quarles after this incident, like it's not like the way you would talk about a guy who just died. Yeah, and it's weird because, you know, I was confused earlier in this podcast about Fletcher Nix, the ice pick, because it, it, it just seems like everybody who gets shot ends up dead. But we know that that's not true with, with Fletcher Nix, so it doesn't have to be true with Quarles. It doesn't have to be true with Quarles. I feel like if you have the opportunity to have Quarles still alive at this point and we're now talking about Justified entering its final season, I feel like keep Quarles alive maybe so you can bring him back for the final season. Yeah, maybe even if it's just a one-off or a couple of episodes where he's in jail and they're they're right. talking to him or, and he's a different kind of guy. Maybe the, the blonde's gone out of his hair, the dye's gone, and he's off his That's meds, his natural so. hair color, by the way. That's crazy. Well, yeah, he's, he's like he's, as Irish as it gets, He's right? really bleach blonde in real life, that guy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, knows? for all we know, Quarles is not dead. We don't we know he's not dead. No, for all we know, he he's not. I mean, we, oh, we, I agree. We don't know. We don't yeah. know. There's no definitive answer. This is one of the big questions uh, in Justified, I, I think, like of the lingering mysteries that are still ongoing and Justified such as they are. There aren't a ton. I don't think uh, this is one of them. Maybe the biggest one is is Quarrel still alive. Uh, who knows? Maybe. 
I mean, he got shot by Errol and he got his arm cut off. So he's going to be losing a lot of blood. Yeah, it's very likely that he would and die he's blood. up in Noble's Holler. My guess is it's not going to be super quick. Uh, the, the medical response there. Right, right. So, there, I mean, there's arguments on both sides. It's, you know, very logical that he could just bleed to death. Uh, but it's also like you would think that you would show a definitive death scene if you're going to kill this guy off and not just yeah. like have him sort of bleeding on the ground and you cut away from the scene. And he's you know, he didn't like his eyes didn't roll in the back of his head or anything like that. He yeah. I mean, TV rule, right? Like if you don't see him die, then they may not be dead. And yeah. even if you do see him die, they I, might not be. Dead. I think it's just storytelling. You know, you, yeah. you got to see the body. Yeah, you got to see the body. Otherwise, so, you got to be suspicious. So that's a loose end. Uh, that's a loose end for sure. And it's not a, I don't think it's 100 percent clear. And I think if they if they have an organic way to, to bring him back into the series, either in season four or five or six, they they should do it. Yeah, I, it would be fun. It would be fun. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I would love it because I'm such a big Bobby Quarles fan. But even so, just such a great performance by Neil McDonough all season long. Uh, he's he's so fun. He's such a ridiculous character, just increasingly more ridiculous every time you see him. Terrifying, funny, vulnerable. It's a really fully fleshed out character that I think uh, is one of the best that Justified ever offers. Yeah, I agree. And I and I if you interviewed him at the time and and he was really into the depth of the role, I think that is a a very key element to it because they give him just those little hints of backstory or these little brushstrokes that make him slightly different uh, than what you might expect. Uh, And I think that that's a really, uh, that's a really valuable thing for a character, even if it's a one season character to have that sort of depth and those kind of dimensions to him. uh, It's more than we got, frankly, with someone like Max Bennett, who, we we had a lot of nuance to her and we had a lot of layers, but we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. Uh, what about what was the, the patriarch of the family like? Right. Like, what, what about all of that backstory? Like, what's driving her? And and is she really that weak when Loretta comes into her life that she's going to upend everything? Like, we don't get as much Mags Bennett full story as we get uh, Bobby Quarles full story. And, and not that we need it, but no, no. You know, you, you do get more of uh, I, I think that there's just there's more detail to quarrels. Yeah. And I think that that, that it, it only improves quarrels. It doesn't you know denigrate right, any yeah, other yeah. performances or characters that are on the show. But it really makes him uh, just a kind of a he's like a supernova. Like he burns so bright, you know, and then he's out. It's so funny. He's such a funny character. Yeah. Uh, all right. So quarrels is either dead or he's not. Either way, he's out of the picture right now. Uh, that's the end of season three. How does this set things up for season four and what kind of teases can you give for season four of Justin? Well, one big tease would be, we find out at the end of season three that cousin Johnny and Limehouse have kind of been in league together and that it was very lucky that the, you know, Boyd is trying to figure out who dimed him out for devil. Right. And it's getting pinned on Arlo being crazy and Ellen may being a loose, a loose end and a loose cannon. Uh, it's not getting pinned on what the truth is, which sounds like that cousin Johnny has fed that information to Limehouse. Right. He's pulling a devil himself. He is, but much more of a longer, more, uh, more restrained, uh, sort of, uh, you know, the kind of play actually that has more chance of success because in, in kind of turning on devil, he won a lot of trust from Boyd. So it'll be a, it'll be a much different play, you know, if, if cousin Johnny really goes for it, uh, but he's certainly willing to, which is a, which is a big deal. I think if we're looking forward to season four, right? So within the Crowder, you know, the Crowder crew, there is 
We're on Mole Patrol, guys. We found the mole. Uh, yeah. It's, it's Johnny, and Johnny wants his shot at the title. Yeah, and that uh, that is that is uh, definitely something to look forward to for season four. Um, we we have some other key characters. Uh, you know, the we've put Shelby in position now as sheriff in Harlan County. Uh, we have a, a kind of a really good character moment for him. Uh, in in we didn't talk about it. it's in episode eleven or twelve somewhere his, in there. Is uh, his fake Heisenberg? Yes. Yep. He, 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 Napier sent some goons out, some local, you know, uh, police officers to try to plant something at Shelby's house. And Shelby gets a drop on him, kind of pulls a gun on him and basically tells him like, Hey, look, I'm dying of cancer. And all I want is I just want to win this election. If I win, I'm not going to hold it against you guys that you were loyal to Napier. Uh, because I, you know, I want to, um, do this. I have pure motives. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not going to hold it against you guys. And that's, sort of Heisenberg, like I've got cancer kind of thing, really does uh, kind of impact those guys and they, they don't kill him. He, he gets out of it. And then he just tells Boyd in the next scene, like, oh, I made that up. Like, I don't have cancer. I told him that when wow. I got out of it. This guy's a good liar. This guy's a really good liar. This guy's like, you know, the kind of guy that like you want to keep your eye on because you've got a great actor uh, in a kind of a seemingly minor role. Um, and so is he really going to be in league with Boyd at one point near the end of the season, he tells Boyd, they're coming after you for devil. Right. And like, now that's, as far as I'm concerned, we're level. Yeah. Like I don't owe you anything else. Seems like he wants to be a legit cop. Yeah. So this will be interesting, I think, to see what role he plays in season four and where that legitimacy plays out with with regard to Boyd's desires to be, you know, the king criminal in Harlan. Uh, They were allies in league together, but he doesn't feel he owes Boyd anything else. And he's clearly a pretty smart guy uh, who can manipulate. So we'll see where it goes. And And that's I I think the other thing, too, is, you know, we've just come off of two seasons that were kind of like big, bad seasons. Right. Season two being the Bennett season. Season three being the quarrel season. Season four, they're going to change up the format a little bit. They are. Um, it's going to be more of a kind of a, a whodunit type season uh, where there's an overarching mystery that, that runs the course throughout the entire uh, season, mostly. And uh, it, it involves a Detroit mafia. It involves um, some actual Kentucky history. It's based on a, an actual incident that occurred. Uh, there's a book. Uh, I think it was a New York Times bestseller. I have it looking at it right now. It's called The Bluegrass Conspiracy. Uh, that was absolutely about what season four story is. All right. Well, don't spoil it too much because I want to really get into that with you. Yeah. Yeah, I won't. I won't. So that is all, you know, that is all something that you that that is the format is different. And it's not it's not justified, justified, but it is it is still very, very good. So and there, there are obviously justified elements to it. Uh, and the, the, it, they find a way to kind of weave things and make them matter with the overarching bigger story of Boyd Crowder and Raylan and all of that. Um, Arlo's in jail. So that uh, that's going to be interesting to see if, if he can play a role at all uh, going forward throughout. Uh, and if so, how? Um, and we've just got Raylan and <coughs> Raylan and, you know, Winona are sort of on the outs, but at least amicable. And, and we leave Raylan no worse for where I don't think at the office. Right. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about the marshals. They didn't really do anything this season, did they? Not really. No. I mean, they really didn't like this is, this was not a Marshall season. We, we had the, the crazy confrontations almost between art and, and Raylan in the pre, in the previous season where art was like, you're just going to die. So it won't be my problem. And, and really you felt like Raylan and art were on the outs and that was going to be a major problem. But 
this season that really didn't come to bear too much. Raylan was away from the office a lot. He was down in Harlan a lot. Um, he wasn't doing kind of one-off martial duty and getting himself in too much trouble. At one point, <clears throat> when he has a face-off with Quarles in a bar, he fires a shot into the, the roof to kind of clear out the bar and, and to, to tell Quarles, like, I'm ready to kill you now. And <clears throat> the only reason he doesn't is the bartender, who becomes Raylan's girlfriend, um, stops him and says, get out of my bar to Quarles and pulls a shotgun out. But after that, Art is basically telling Raylan, like, here's the story you tell to defend your actions. Right. You, you live upstairs. You knew no one was upstairs. You knew it would be OK to discharge your weapon. You wanted to get people out of harm's way. Like, that's what you tell them. This is the story you tell. He's giving him like the script to run yeah, yeah, yeah. himself out of trouble. So like they're on the same page, at least throughout most of this season. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Well, it was it was a martial light season, I think, season three. Uh, but at least one of the people in the marshal's office is going to get a really good story for season four. So finally, we're going to get something and it's not art. So it's either Tim or it's Rachel. So one of those guys is going to get something good to do in season four. Uh, and, and I'm very happy about that. I think that's that's always a, a good thing when this show figures out how to handle the Tim and Rachel uh, question of it all. Yeah, and the only reason that that they can do anything um, with those characters is because they did spend some time with them in season one and two. We do know a little bit about them. We know that Rachel was like top of the list, and we know uh, that you know uh, Tim was a great sniper in Afghanistan and uh, had fought you know in in foreign wars, and so we know a little bit about these these characters and what they can do with that very little that they've established. It turns out is a lot. Uh, and we're going to get a good glimpse of that. We also have we it's not a big bad, but we do have another great uh, kind of guest performance in season four uh, from from Ron. Uh, what's his name? El, 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 Eldred. Oh, Ron Eldard. Yeah. Yeah. Ron Eldard. Ron Eldard is uh, he, he, he is uh, shows up in season four uh, and and is great. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that guy for sure. There's a totally, <laughs> totally different than than than. Than quarrels, but uh, but definitely a, a, an interesting character. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll talk about season four. I think sometime in the near future, wouldn't you say, Antonio? I think so. Yeah, I think uh, not not as long of a wait for the season four podcast uh, as it was between seasons two and three, and even seasons one, and seasons two. Sorry about that, guys. Holidays have kind of gotten in the way, but they're gone now, and I think uh, we're full speed ahead. I'm I'm really pumped because. Uh, this show is coming back really soon, and uh, just going back and rewatching these episodes really makes me remember just why I fell in love with the show in the first place. And so hopefully you guys who are watching along for the first time are falling in love with it as well. And those of you who are, you know, revisiting it, I think hopefully are appreciating it, too. So lots of fun stuff to talk about with Justified. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had Brendan Fitzpatrick say that he felt that season three was where Justified fully reached its dark comedy stride with Win Duffy, especially. And I think that's right. Uh, but I think the Quarrels added so much. Um, Brendan actually did have a question I wanted to see what your thoughts on were. Uh, where did you think Quarrels ranks in the pantheon of TV nutjob villains? Uh, that's a good question. He's a pretty big nutjob. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't think that I could call him iconic. You know, I don't I don't think that Justified is really big enough for for there to be a real iconic character to come out of it other than maybe Raylan, maybe Boyd, maybe Mags. I don't think that he touches that status, uh, but he's great. I mean, he's a he's a he's a huge nut bar. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think of like Breaking Bad as a show I love, and there's that character Tuco on Breaking Bad who pops up at the end of season one and some of season two, and Tuco's this meth, this meth dealer, but he's also a meth head, so he's constantly amped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's like constantly, he's like crazy, and he's tight, 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 tight. Yeah, tight. Yeah, he's just really all amped up. Quarles is a little like that, but Quarles is not so unhinged all the time. Quarles is very much kind of alive. He is like he is present and in the moment all the time and there aren't i mean there are tv villains especially they don't always get such meatiness to chew on they get to play you know big badass or dark or they get to play these these you know kind of one note kind of roles and quarrels is is really just kind of unique in a lot of ways. So you're right. He's not iconic uh, like, you know, like a Walter White or like a Gus Fring uh, or like a Tony Soprano or, you know, a call whoever you want uh, villains wise on some of these other shows. He's not iconic like those characters, but it is somewhat of a unique villain in terms of how unhinged he is and how that plays out over the course of the season where he comes in the smiling man in the suit and he turns into the desperate insane man in the suit yeah. who still is smiling who who's reaching for his arm after it's been cut off like he's he's nuts and it's very memorable it's very memorable it's really unexpected and it's just it's great and uh, go, going back and watching season three, I was so excited to watch season three. It's the first season of Justified that I watched live. Uh, I binged on seasons one and two, and, and three was the one that I was watching live. So three is kind of always going to be my favorite season of Justified, I think. Uh, a lot of people say that two is the best. I think three three for me is, is my favorite season of Justified. Uh, and we've got a lot of really fun stuff to talk about going forward into season four. So uh, I don't know. Uh, let's let's get off this podcast so we can start watching season four and talk about it as soon as possible. Antonio. Let's do it, brother. All right. Follow Antonio on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro. That's two Z's, one R. I'm at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but rounder. What was our crazy hashtag that we said? Was it uh, uh, Dewey Crank? Dewey Crank. Give us some Dewey Crank if you liked what you heard tonight. Uh, and we will be back with a season four podcast of Justified as soon as humanly possible. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.